Hello, inmates. Welcome to week one of the Cell Block Scorch. This episode is being recorded by Bones, the winner of this week's prompt. So this week's prompt was given by Peshi, and it was setting equals tribal Africa, include a wedding, audience, children ages 8 to 10. So this is kind of a different prompt than usual. Like we... We don't usually have so many so many pieces for it. We had like a little bit of early installment weirdness going on. Um, and even more so because even though Peshi gave the prompt, it was actually Cricket who judged this week. Because as Cricket said in her intro, um, it started out with Peshi and I being like, we're going to write and then you can judge because we didn't know that like Cricket would be interested in writing as well. But she quickly made it known, and in the next week, we have our rotation going on. But anyway, Cricket was the judge, even though Peshi was the prompt giver for this episode. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, like, this prompt in the beginning. And, like, the thing about it, okay, is that, like, first of all, it comes out swinging with setting equals tribal Africa. And I was, like, immediately like, ooh, I don't know anything about tribal Africa. I am a white person who lives in America. And I, like, the biggest thing for me in this was that I wanted to actually do some research and be able to basically try my best not to just wildly stereotype and do horrible things. Uh, <laughs> so I did my best to look at a specific tribe and their customs and, like, things around that and use names um, from there, which I had a heck of a time trying to figure out um, how to pronounce these names because, you know, I didn't have to figure out how to pronounce them the first time because I was literally just writing them down. And I think I've found some reputable sources that have told me how to pronounce them, but just keep in mind when I read this that I am just trying my best. And if you know how to pronounce them correctly, then feel free to, you know, give me a shout out and, and fix it. This week's Scorch is entitled Providence. Dingane couldn't tear his eyes from her. It was the middle of the ceremony, the part in which she performed her dance. Ngobile had always been enchanting. Everything from the way her eyes shined brightly when she danced to the way she hopped and skipped rather than walking, even while carrying water back from the river. The elders had scolded her more than once for the water that was spilled because of that, but... Dingane couldn't bring himself to think it was anything more than an endearing quirk. There were plenty of other women to carry water. Now, watching her dance, one wouldn't think she was the worst water carrier in the village. Her movements were fluid and continuous, and the bright fabric that swirled around her highlighted her dark figure. The brightness did nothing to detract from the delicate ochre designs of red and white that had been painted up her arms and legs. Every change of direction and pace was marked perfectly by the bags of pebbles that had been tied to her ankles, although Dingane doubted anyone could actually hear the clacking of pebbles over the drums she was dancing to. However, it wasn't the bright clothes, the pebble bags, or even her smile that was so big it was reflecting the sunlight that he was staring at. Dingane was staring at the necklace that was secured around her neck. She had made it herself, as was tradition in the Zulu tribe to which they both belonged, a necklace for the bride, and a matching one for the groom. The technicolored beads bounced and swirled as she did, catching the light of the sun and attention of all that watched. Dingane's hand found his own necklace, tracing the diamond patterns without tearing his eyes from the woman before him. 
He watched as she faced the portion of the crowd her mother was in and performed a kick so high her foot raised above her head, and as she returned it to the earth with a self-satisfied laugh. She really was beautiful. Not only that, but she was strong. Her name attested to that. Ngobile. One who has come up victorious in what was a hopeless, dreadful, precarious situation. He wondered, and not for the first time, if parents truly picked the names of their children, or if the ancestors' spirits had much more of a say than most thought. After all, there was no way her parents would have known she would face such a trial, nor that she would come out victorious. They had no idea that the man she would marry had a name that meant the exact same thing, and they would fight through the trial together. Perhaps even the ancestors didn't know what the trial would be. It had been this exact wedding, or at least the period leading up to it. A time in which they had to fight for their rights to be married, rather than have Ngobile stolen by the chief's influential oldest son. Dingen watched as Ngobile finished the dance with another high kick and cheeky grin, still absent-mindedly tracing the beads of his own necklace. Watching like this, feeling the necklace and seeing her dance, it was almost easy to forget that he had lost that particular battle. But it lurked, nonetheless. The knowledge that the beads he was tracing were different colors and designs than the ones that adorned her. And that meant she was not his in the least. She turned to her beloved, Manguoba, who stood opposite Dingane in the ring of spectators. She turned her back on him, just as she had done before, even when he had offered triple of whatever lobola, or bride price, Manguoba could salvage. They were not meant to be. The ancestors must have known. After all, his name was not victorious. It was one who searches. He was doomed, it seemed, to search unendingly rather than to find. The happy couple was escorted to their tent, and Dingin watched, as he always did. Eldest son of the chief, and yet cursed with such a fate. What, he wondered, had he done to deserve such a wretched name? All right. Hi, I'm Cricket. I judged this week, so I'm here to just talk a little bit about it. Um, This was the very, very first week of the Scorch, so Pesci gave the prompt and I judged, which was a little unusual. We hadn't quite worked the system out yet. I actually went back and reread both of the pieces before I recorded this commentary and like, wow, it's been so long. They were both so, so good and Pesci's is so sweet. Oh, ah, that's a pun. That's a pun. Okay. Um, but Bones really got me. Um, the comment I wrote on it was matching necklaces and a twist ending. And when I was rereading it, I was like, what is this about? And then when it hit me, it was like, oh, oh, ah. And like that feeling is why it got the win. You're always going to get me with something happening at the end that like makes you reevaluate everything you thought you knew about it. And I really like the tone at the end, the protagonist just kind of having this like wondering, like, how long is he going to be searching? It was just such like an interesting outsider POV. Um, and I was really surprised by it. And that's why I had to give the win to Bones for the very first week. Okay, now that you've heard the Scorch, um, I'm actually really proud of this. Uh, I like the twist ending and I'm I'm glad that that the other people who read it liked it as well. Um, but honestly, the most... The, the thing that brings me most joy upon re-reading this um, is all of the the, the, the research and the, the little tidbits that I had managed to like 
look up while while making it. Um, I'm just gonna share a couple of the things because I actually went and researched this. So I went and researched a, a Zulu tribe, as I said, and a lot of the things that I kind of just threw in here are things that actually happen during the weddings of, of the, the tribe. And that includes like the the ochre designs of, of red and white that are painted on and all of this other stuff. The bags of pebbles around their ankles while they dance and the high kick that the bride performs. So that's actually supposed to kind of it's it's supposed to be a, a way to prove their virginity and that's that's why uh mobile is is so like cheeky about it is that you face wherever your mother is in the crowd and you perform a high kick and that is supposed to like you know show that you were a virgin still in some manner and she's just like really being being funny about it but also uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, because this, you know, this is one of my scorches that's just like a standalone, like I'm not going to write any more about this, but it's it's fun to like look back on. Uh, but one thing I wanted to point out is that Vingain is a unreliable narrator, um, to an extent. Like, what he said was base level true. However, one thing that I definitely added in is that Mobile made herself and Manguoba matching necklaces, right? And that's, as I said, one of the things that the Zulu tribe does to, like, declare a marriage. And Dingain, while he is watching her dance, is tracing his own necklace. And I just want to confirm to anyone who is wondering right now that Dingain is, in fact, married. Dingain has several wives. Um... Manguoba, this is... Nobile is Manguoba's first wife. I don't... I'm not gonna talk about any future. I don't know. I don't care. The point is that Dingane has this whole, like, victim complex going on, but even though he is the, like, chief's son, and he's gonna be the next chief, and he has a couple of wives already, and, like, all of this stuff, it's not that he is necessarily lacking in any way. Like, he, he calls himself one who searches and, like, says that he can't, you know, be the victorious one. But it's it's less because he's lacking something and more because he is just... he's He's got a victim complex, man. Like, that guy, he has everything you could possibly want. And the one time a lady said no to him, he, like, flipped out. So... That's just to clarify. Dingane, we're getting it from his POV, but like, he's the problem. And I tried to make it sound like, because, you know, like, it has that moment where she turns his, her back on him to, to face Manguoba. And like, I tried to make it sound like Dingane, like, had this, like, sad, you know, left behind type vibe there. But, like, Nobile and Dingane were not friends. They never were. Like, the, he was in charge and garnered that much respect. And that's that's what's going on there. Like, like it kind of makes me laugh. 
um, because it is, it's, it's tragic, it's sad, but it's also from Dingane's perspective, and Dingane has a, like, martyr victim complex, and I just need y'all to know that. And to finish off this episode, I'll just tell you my prompt for the next week, which is, someone dies, but is unaware of this fact. So that'll be week two of the Cell Block Scorch. And yeah, I don't think I have much to say about that one. So keep that fire burning, people. The Cell Block Scorch is a production of Stellacore, an independent group of nerds sharing their obsessions with the world. We can be reached at thestellacore at gmail.com through comments on your podcast platform of choice, our Instagram, Stella underscore core, and at our YouTube, also called Stellacore. Feel free to check out our other productions on our YouTube channel, our cosplays on Instagram, or if you would like to support our creative endeavors, check out our Patreon or donate to the Ko-Fi of the writer of your favorite Scorches.